0: I'm Lindsay, mom of two active boys on the West Coast and believe there's no reason for money to be ugly. I love helping busy moms make it pretty without using cash envelopes or coupons. I'm Megan.
1: Me and my husband, we have four kiddos and I relate more to the dad role than the mom. And I'm an HGTV loving, oversharing finance nerd.
0: Together we host the Money Stuff with Moms podcast. We understand the hashtag mom life but we also can appreciate the big picture adulting responsibilities like
1: money. In this podcast, we invite you to be a part of our no-fluff, fun conversations that will give you helpful on-the-go finance tips,
0: even if it's just a peek behind the curtains to hear about what we are doing with our money.
1: On the podcast today, we have a very special guest, so I'd like to introduce... Shannon Lee Simmons. Uh, She's in the finance space. You've probably seen her on TV, heard her on podcasts, all the things, maybe you've read her books. She's a bit
0: of a celebrity.
1: (laughs) She's a little (laughs) bit of a female finance Canadian celebrity, which is like super rare. So I'm really excited. She is here to chat with us today on Money Stuff with Moms. She's also a mom so um, Shannon, Lee Simmons, welcome. Tell us hey. a little bit about who you are, what you do, and the people you help.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm so excited to be here. And I have a, a business called New School of Finance. And so my day-to-day job for the last 15 years is on the front line of financial planning. I'm doing fee-only financial advice, which is my passion, my absolute passion and the driving force of all the things. Um, and so that's what I do. I, I help people kind of navigate their finances in a way that doesn't feel icky. And I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm the most passionate about are the people that I'm working with the most. I think my niche or where, why I think I've gotten to do the fun things that I have, like do the books and all that kind of stuff is because I'm honestly just obsessed with ha- with um, people and our emotions and how that all plays into our money stuff. And so a lot of that is throughout all of our financial planning is not just like always the most financially responsible. Like I take the, you know, the person really matters and how we think about money and feel about money and all that kind of juicy, good stuff.
1: Yeah, that's great. Can you kind of talk about what fee only planning is?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, So sometimes this is also called advice only financial planning um, or fee for service financial planning. It comes in a variety of names Um, And so basically how how the financial industry normally works when you're getting advice is, you know, you go into a financial institution and you open up an RRSP there or, or TFSA there, and then someone gives you advice and you don't actually like pay for it, but you do on the back end because your investments or the money that you've got put in those accounts is actually paying the fees. And so there, there's a bias there because let's say that you came in and you had, had a windfall of money, and you're like, "Well, do I put this in my RSP or do I pay down my mortgage?" Well, the person that is going to make more money off of you if your money is in the RSP is going to be like, "You should put that in your RSP probably," um, because it, it's a bias towards how they get paid, and so that is the typical way that the financial industry works. Fee-for-service or fee-only, which is what I do, um, is where you don't sell anything like that. So you don't sell products, you don't sell um, investment accounts, nothing, you don't sell insurance products, anything like that. So the advice that I'm able to give people is completely unbiased because you pay for time. Um, not actually, uh, we're not selling anything. So there's like this bias towards how the advice is given. And I, I used to work on Bay Street with High net Worth clients and um, in the old traditional model, Um, And then I just felt like every time I gave advice, even though it was the best advice, it just felt like I'm like, ah, you don't, you don't know if this is the best advice because I'm definitely going to, you know, this is how my paycheck is paid. So I I quit in 2010 and launched New School Finance and I've never looked back. So fee for service is my jam.
0: (laughs) Very good explanation for those who don't know. You know, that there's more than one side to the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at what you've done, your website, like all the different content that you've done for for your followers and your clients, um, it's very clear how much you love what you do and that you do it, uh, you know, with... The objective of helping in mind versus, you know, maybe that uh, more old school uh, way of doing things in our industry that may have been a little more focused on the sales aspect. I think that really, really comes through in everything that you do.
1: Oh, thanks. That, that means a lot. I've just finished, well, Lindsay and I both just finished your newest book, No Dead. Decisions. <laughs> and a common theme in your book's seems to be like this clarity in this value-based kind of bridging that gap between your money but like what's important to you and not just like what your family and friends and social media is telling you should be important to you but like really like truly like what is important to you what should be a priority so when you are asking yourself that question like what is important to you what is important to chanelaine simmons like what and like what do you happily spend money on
2: oh great question um i i mean and i think that what's important to us and how our money reflects our values kind of shifts over time just because we all shift and change and i would say right so like well, you know things that were important to me and that i would value in my 20s not so much now you know um and so if i'm if i'm thinking about right now what's like a what's my happy spending, or what are are the things I say yes to with no regrets, like that kind of thing. I am so happy to spend our money on, this is so, so difficult, but like on my family, I'm that typical, like, uh, you know, I, I, I will, I will, family outings i love doing stuff like that um like going on like adventures with the kids and stuff like that for example so you know if we're all gonna go see the super mario's brother movie i'm happy to spend my money and shell out the ridiculous amount of money that it is to go see a movie these days um but like things like that yeah it's ridiculous It was like 100 bucks for my family to go see a movie isn't that crazy that's insane that's nuts including popcorn yeah um and so but like again that's like super happy spending for me right it's time with my kids it's super fun it feels great and so I'm happier to cut other things in my life to make room for those kinds of things mm-hmm. and um I my happy place my absolute I'm so lucky I um uh, my parents uh built a cottage uh when they were in their 20s I can tell you I was not doing something so responsible when I was in my 20s Wow. um and so i i know so i've grown up with this place it's really far north it's very rugged it's not like a not like a typical cottage it's really rugged and very 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 north um with the woods and stuff like that so i'm also now sort of that's becoming my place where like, it's my happy place. And so I'm also very happy whenever we're up there and to, you know, invest in that property, like, and like Mm -hmm. do the gardening up there and then spend money on that. Like I, I, I find I'm really picking and choosing about spending my money on the experiences that bring joy. That is really a big shift for me. It's not really about stuff. It's about the experiences that bring joy in my life.
0: Yeah. It, uh, I love that. I wish I wish I had a cottage to go to.
2: Oh, very lucky.
0: So jealous. (laughs) Um, It's amazing to me, you know. So many of the conversations that I have with my clients and that Megan and I, you know, share um, in, you know, with money-related topics, so often have much less to do with money than people think right? Yeah. Like reading through your book and, and, uh, all of your client examples, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember. I'm probably forgetting. I can't remember an example where, you know, you were asking them for their, uh, what's most valuable to them that anybody ever said like to be the wealthiest person no. or like that's, but when we think about financial planning, when we think about investing, when we think about money. Um, we always think that it's a money decision. Uh, but your book just showed so clearly that that is not always the case. Is that sort of the experience that, you know, that you typically have with your clients is that these aren't just, you know, money and wealth decisions, that it's really no. about all the other things.
2: Yeah. It's about life. Uh, money is how we afford our life. Right. And so if you, I mean, so it's a part of it. And what I would often say is let's say that someone's like, well, I, I want to make my money work for me. Okay. What does that mean? Well, I want to make, you know, 6% per year on average. Okay, why? Well, then I'd have enough in retirement that, uh, you know, I could live comfortably. Okay, what's comfortable? Well, it actually would mean that I could stay in my house and I didn't have to downsize. Okay, now we're talking. Now we're actually getting to something because saying you want to make your money work for you is so, uh, it's like, it has that, like, you know, capitalism, wealth for the sake of wealth. Uh, and that's, totally. it. I'd say most people are not just wanting to be rich. And if you actually talk to someone and they say like, I just want to be rich. It's like, why, what does that give you is actually the question. And what they really want is to not worry anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's probably some stuff in there that they'd love to, you know, treat themselves to. But truly, I'd say at the core, most people um, just want to have a life where they don't have to worry so much about money and they can provide for their family, And have a little fun along the way that that's truly what it honestly means. And then there are these emotional pulls, like where we live and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I often, I don't think that it's just wealth for the sake of wealth or money for the sake of money. It's really what, what I always get at with people is like, what is that giving you? And then that's when we start to have a real conversation about someone's life. Mm
1: -hmm. And I also feel like what is rich? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. every single person is different. Like, how do you know you're not already rich?
2: (laughs) like abs you're richer than you think yeah I, yeah. I, I yeah. completely agree with that and I wonder I wonder about that too and often with clients I'll say you know what what's enough right like, what is it what is enough and and often it comes with a series of goals so I'll say okay what are the goals that you would if you won the lottery what are the things that you would like do you know um, and then which one of these are are things that you actually want to achieve in this lifetime? And which one of these are like, oh, I won the lottery. I'm going to buy a Ferrari. You know what I mean? And so often yeah. I think people, when they say that they want to be wealthier, like they're working towards something, they're, it's a series of goals that they are hoping they can accomplish over their lifetime of work, right? And to make that work and that effort that they put into their job feel, quote, worth it. And it's often not about like dollars. Like I, I honestly have never had anyone. I'm just thinking. I've been doing this for 15 years. I've never, and I even worked with high net worth clients. Um, had anyone be like, my goal in life is to like buy a Ferrari and like have ha- have like so much stuff. Like literally, it's not.
0: It's not. It's not the goal. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not the goal. And yeah, I was. I find it so so uh, interesting that. You know, money conversations are not about money, right? No, I
2: wouldn't have a job if they were. I, I truly, if 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 money was just about money, it's math. It's basic math. Mm-hmm. Don't spend more than you make. Put some away every month. Mm-hmm. Keep it in a well-balanced, low, like low-fee portfolio. That's it. That's the ticket. There's That's your my, plan, everybody. The, there's the plan, <laughs> exactly. And it's it's the reason I have a job. And the reason it's so fascinating to me is because it's not. We don't make decisions around money based on math. Not at all make it based on everything else that's not about the math and so uh so that's why it's fascinating and that's why and and it matters too right because if you don't feel confident in your ability to make financial decisions then that's going to bleed into all other aspects of your life too Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and do you think that this like awareness like it's almost like an emotional intelligence but it's like this financial literacy combination is that something that always just came natural to you or is that something that you learned based on like going to school or based on a situation you found yourself in
2: I I think uh it always was there I am um, um so like I knowing myself like I've always been deeply interested in and empathetic to people uh, even like I'm a very empathetic I'm a deep empath and so, you know, always, even in high school, I was like the friend that everyone would, I'm also a Capricorn. And uh, I was like the friend that everyone would come to me and be like, can I help me with my plan or whatever? And of course, like, because I'm a Capricorn, I'd be like, yes, let me make the giant plan for you forever. Um, so that's always been natural. My mom tells me, I was like, I was like the kid in the neighborhood who was like intense about the lemonade stand, like trying to scale it and like had a, <laughs> had a plan for what corners and who was best where and like let, you know. I was I always was a kid who loved to make plans. I was deeply empathetic for people and originally I actually thought I was going to go through like I was, I started down the uh, doctor route, like I went, was just going to go to med school and all this stuff. Um and then I kind of jumped ship and found personal finance like I, backwards. I wasn't intending to and took a break from that whole trajectory because I thought I don't know if I'm doing this because it's actually what I want to do, or is it just because like, everyone's like, Oh, you're a girl who's good at math and science. Go to go be a doctor. I'm like, cool. Like, you know, and, um, and then I took a couple of personal finance courses and realized like in university and realized that it could marry my love of like, you know, math and planning and all that piece of my brain and also with people like I I'm not an analyst. I am definitely a personal finance person because it's about the people and I love, I love hearing people's stories. It never gets bored. My job is never boring. I, it's never boring because I am constantly feeling like I'm hanging out with someone and like talking through their life and making a plan. And that is like what I do naturally for fun with my friends, with myself with my family. It's like, I, it's never boring. Mm-hmm. Such a good
0: fit for your personality.
2: I feel very lucky. And the books and the speaking and stuff like that have really scratched that like performative itch that I also have which is like I like to be in front of a crowd I like to talk to people I like to be creative so I really feel um I feel so lucky that I like have I'm able to do the stuff that I do yeah so did you do
0: uh, like musical theater and theater in high school
2: I did I did yes oh. I I did my uh my claim to fame was being Frenchy in Greece I am, yeah, (laughs) I I did, I did, I did it as well in university, but like not, I didn't study theater or anything like that, just like for fun, like community theater and stuff like that. Um, But I am very much a, I love performing as well. So that's why I think speaking is also something that I love because it's, it's, it gets that whole piece of my personality out there too.
0: Well, and that comes through on the audio Book, uh, just so you know, it was oh good, awesome to listen to. And I think, do you even say at the beginning, performed by Shannon Lisa? performed I think you used that word as opposed to read. I read whatever was in the script. (laughs) So it's like yes, it was a total performance. It was so entertaining. Um, I've listened to a lot. Thank (laughs) you, that's so kind. And
2: you know what? As an audiobook fanatic, I am one. um, I think it matters when the person is sort of like performing it versus just reading it, you know? It's like I love, I love that when the dialogue switches and stuff like that. And so that's a really big compliment. Thanks very much. You're the, uh, you're the first person that's ever said that to me. Oh no. Way. About <laughs> my audiobook performance and I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> um, a part
1: of my practice actually is personality testing all of my clients before I work with them.
2: That's so and- cool
1: there's four so any people who listen to our podcast have probably heard about my spiel on this but if I had to guess so there's four different personality types and they're all colors Lindsay and I are both Gemini and we're both the same colors too
2: what colors are they
1: so there's um gold which is a planner you'll make a checklist you'll add things to the checklist just to cross them off very structured a little bit rigid there's green, which is our engineers. You've probably worked with engineers. You know how they are. They'll on you just to, even if they agree with you, they want to look at the spreadsheet. They want to manipulate the spreadsheet. They want to know all the scenarios. There's blue, which are our people people. There are team builders. There are human resources. They also tend to be first responders. And then there are our oranges who are our fun people. They're the people who typically aren't the ones who reach out to professionals like us, but they're married to. <laughs> <laughs> so, they never want to look at a statement. They do not care about the numbers and the scenarios and all the things. They just need somebody to tell them, "Yes, you can do this" or "no, you cannot." And they really they tend also tend to be entrepreneurs. And so they like to start projects, but never really finish projects. And so yeah. if I had to guess, I would think that you're a blue with a little bit of orange.
2: Yeah, I would say that that orange for sure. I always, the joke at new school is that I'd be the, our worst client. Like if I, if I was a client, I would be the, I would be the one that everyone goes, uh, because I like, don't, I like, I like organized chaos. It's like, it's like, uh, I don't. I'd respond last minute and I wouldn't do the homework and I would show up and I'd be a hell of a good time and I could just YOLO. And I basically just be like, yeah. Okay. Just like, yes or no. Just like, I don't care. Just like, yes or no. Like for sure. I am. Um, and I would say, yeah, I'd probably be orange for sure. And a mix of, yeah, I'd say the the blue. Uh, I mean, I do love a to-do list, but that's not my nature in my day to day. So I think you, I think you peg me bang yeah. on.
1: I think, and like blues, they really crave the team dynamic almost in my hiring process. Now it's like, if you're a blue, you're not like, you gotta be a blue because I need people who are the opposite of me. Cause I have, no she's blue not me. a
0: blue. <laughs> I
2: was like, what are you? Yeah. Yeah. What are
1: you? So I'm a, a gold, but my second color is orange yeah. and Lindsay's the opposite. She's an orange. So she's like fun, organized chaos but her second color is gold. So she's like, she does like the checklist, but her nature is to leave loops open.
0: Hey mama, I wanted to pop in quickly and let you know that I just released a brand new program called Budget for More. It's the complete roadmap to setting up an automated budgeting system that will leave you with more, more time, more vacations, more fun more wine. If you would like to check out this program, go to my website, lindsayplum.com forward slash budget for more. And if you want a discount on that program, I'd love to give it to you. There's a 50% off discount for podcast listeners. Use coupon code beta50, B-E-T-A-5-0. I would love to see you inside that new program to help you budget for more.
2: I love those personality tests and I also think like it's interesting with money and um it's funny that you say the engineer type because like anyone who's listening right now that's an engineer you know yourself it is no. so true it is so true i'm like oh this persons an and if you're not
0: like admit it engineers today <laughs> might be the day yeah
2: I, i'm like okay we're going to get real granular here <laughs> that's right i was like are you a virgo are you an engineer okay we're going deep we're going so deep on how this spreadsheet works it's so funny that's really really funny yeah and i think that
1: a lot of people who are listening to our podcast probably aren't engineers themselves but they (laughs) could be married
0: to an engineer
1: like i feel (laughs) like if i were an engineer like i have like recommendations based on color when i when i talk to other people and like for example the rational reminder podcast i don't know if you've listened to it it's like the pwl guys oh, they are perfect for engineers because they so talk good about,
0: for engineers yeah, yeah
1: talk about alpha and beta and you know all these like metrics and studies and papers it's just like engineers just eat that crap up where yeah. golds and blues every other color is just like just tell me what to do
2: it's yeah
1: I don't need to know alpha I don't even care what it means
2: yeah
1: yeah is it it a sorority (laughs) it's like I don't care I don't need is it TSA or RSP just tell me where to put my money
0: like and I'll do what you say um the other piece that I always find so interesting about this is Shannon, you're with the new podcast, and I don't know, you're probably, what would you say, Meg, like, maybe the fifth, like, interview that we've done, the fifth, like, expert that we've had on, Um, and none of them are green, like, nobody's um, that analytical engineer type, but the general public and you probably listening, you think that money people are all these like spreadsheet, detail oriented, analytical, um, you know, finance quizzes, Right. And it's often not the case. Mm
2: -hmm. That's so true. I, I think so many people think that about me and are shocked when I'm not Mm -hmm. like a super detail person. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, they're like, do I, do I trust you with my money? I'm like, yes. Like, like I, I am, it's just like so much of planning, personal finance, not analyst. I think that's the difference, right. Is like, yeah. it's, it's, I'm not, it's not an accountant and it's not an analyst where you get that like extreme, extreme detail oriented mm-hmm. um, personal finance and financial planning is big picture. It's holistic. It's a, it's a long shot view and creative problem solving and I don't know that you want someone who is a data hound, analytical person who's trying to create solutions that are broad and sweeping and big picture for your life, and taking what, taking that the softer parts of what makes you you into account too, right? Because yeah. I think that's where I think that's where financial planning differs greatly from accounting and investment analytics. Is, is and but most people the general public will loop them all together oh you're a finance person boom you're all the same I'm like oh heck no no we are not
0: <laughs> yeah there's not often you know a column on the spreadsheet for your emotions and your life stories and your personality to be yeah. analyzed right? when you're chasing alpha when you're chasing alpha yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah the
2: earnings per share does not matter whether the ceo had a bad day you know
0: yeah
1: so yeah, cute. and it's just because we're all like, at the end of the day, they are numbers, but you're a human. And so like, that's mm-hmm. the thing is like, when people would be like, well, what would you do if you were me? Well, I'm not you. And so I have other things to worry, like, I have other things that I'm thinking about that you might not even care about. You know, Yeah, exactly. I have four kids, you might not have any i am perfectly comfortable living in the north where i have access to literally nothing we have two snow days a week my kids barely go to school like all these things whereas you're like no i want to take the subway to work every day like there's just humans need human consideration
2: (laughs) exactly yeah exactly it's not it's never it's never about the math yeah. What do you um
0: I'm drawing a blank right now. What do you call uh benchmark? Is that what do you call it in in your book?
2: Which one? There's I have lots of jargon.
0: <laughs> do you mean like, like um your navigational beacons to help you make your decisions?
2: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So, what? well, the, I think what I think you're talking about is um like setting pivot points and be, uh guardrails? Is that what? Guardrails, you're that's what I'm guardrails? looking for. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well, this is really like, that's really a key point in the, in this latest book, No Regret Decisions. And one of it's one of the things that um, I really, after looking at people's lives play out, you know, um, you really see who looks, looks back at it, at something that happened and maybe the outcome wasn't great. And they look back and they're like, well, you know, that was a good decision with a bad outcome. Mm-hmm. And that that's different than looking back and saying, I'm the worst, at, I can't do money, I, you know, I regret that and all that stuff. So I really feel like financial regret is one of those things that really eats away at someone's confidence. And people who have significant financial regret um, who look back and say like, it's my fault instead of just, that was a good good decision with a bad outcome. Um, kind of live, there's like an anxiety that goes on because you're, you're not really sure you trust yourself to make good decisions when life throws you a curveball, which inevitably it will. And you kind of live life worried that bad things are going to happen to you because you don't know what you're how you're going to handle it so um in that's one of the things that well that's the point of the book and then in that one of the things i've really learned is that these pivot points and these um guardrails there's two of them there's a time and money guardrail are the things we can kind of set into motion and um in the midst of uncertainty to help us along the way so we make decisions we don't look back and regret so for example a pivot point is where okay you can still keep trying to, you know, achieve this goal that's costing time and taking or the costing money and taking time. But at what point does something else in your life have to give in order for you to keep going? Right. So if you're talking about like, let's say it's buying a home and it's 600,000, everything works perfectly. But at 700,000, it means that, you know, the vacation fund is gone. Are you willing to give up that vacation fund in exchange for the higher value of the house? And it's like, yeah, sure. But Cool, that's a pivot point. You had to give something else up and pivot your plan. Pivot your plan, and the guardrail is like, when do you stop? So maybe the house being a million dollars means you're completely house poor. You can't save for retirement. The kids can't go to extracurricular activities anymore. There's no emergency savings. You're completely house poor. Like, okay, even though someone might give you a mortgage, is that a life that you're is that a place you want to be? No. Okay, that's a hard no if it's up to a million. So anywhere between there is good. We just have to keep pivoting our plans. And I think it's a really effective way of when you're setting out projections for people in a financial plan and you're looking into the future, marking those pivot points and those guardrails ahead of time so that when they happen, someone feels like, ah, I knew this was coming. I'm in control. This doesn't feel scary. And it takes the shock out of some of those situations that, you know, might unfold not in the way that you want them to.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a nice way of kind of blending the, you know, the emotions and the value with some numbers or you know something that is not emotional um and I love you know the idea of um like identifying those guardrails ahead of time yeah you're right in the thick of it you're not trying to make that decision just based on um you know the the circumstance um that you've already done a little bit of that decision making and we we Megan and I talk all the time about you know busy busy parents and our our bandwidth right yeah we're just running low a lot of times. And when you're trying to make, you know, quote unquote, good financial decision on a day where you're running low, having a guardrail to, you know, make sure you don't fall off the cliff, I think is just like so valuable. Um, And it's really a fairly um, like small uh, task, right? It it takes a a bit of, um, you gotta remember to do it. And I think that um, anybody, reading your book um, would get a lot out of it um, because you just lay it out so well on how to Um, like how to identify your guardrails um and the steps along the way um as well um and what to do if you hit the guardrail (laughs) exactly because that's the whole point of it right the guardrail is not there because we think that you're never going to hit it the guardrail is there like if you think about you know driving down a highway right we hope that you're not going to hit the guardrail i guess um but it's there because we know it's possible and we want you to, to remain safe and and uh yeah i think that you're you're um your playbook is is so helpful, um, and uh, yeah, just just so valuable, so valuable. Then build that guardrail ahead of time uh, before you hit it.
2: Yeah, I just think there's something too about when I, what I've noticed with my clients is when we map it out ahead of time, and then when they hit it, it doesn't feel as scary or shocking. Yeah, it's like, and I think sometimes the shock if you're not expecting something bad financially to happen or to run out of time or to run out of money. um, And then it happens to you without you really expecting it. It's like kicking you while you're already financially down, right? Shock, shock inserts uncertainty and it makes us panic. Whereas if this is something that we've mapped out like as a possibility and and a hard stop, then if it gets there, there's an empowerment that comes from it. So not only, yes, it might be bad news, but it's like, you're almost empowered by knowing that it was coming and that you know that you've hit the line. And so you can turn a bad situation into like an empowering one, which also just builds
0: confidence. Yeah. Yeah. For the next situation that's around the next corner, you know, called life. Exactly. Exactly. Life is full of of surprises. (laughs) Yeah. Both good and bad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, like, linking it to motherhood like I had kids before all my friends and so I didn't really have anybody to say to me like okay well this is gonna happen that's gonna happen I did have people in my life that had kids before me so like I just remember like after having my first baby I remember calling my cousin who's a few years older than me and who had already had a baby and being like you didn't prepare me like you're a jerk (laughs) tell me like at least I would have been a little bit more prepared um and it's just like starting those conversations so like this is a guardrail like that you may hit you you know 20% of the people hit it so let's just talk about it
2: yeah (laughs) I totally agree and I also agree with motherhood and I did feel like I knew and I still didn't know I don't know that anything can prepare you for that
0: (laughs) no No, nobody prepares you especially the massive childbirth (laughs) nobody tells you oh my
2: god no I think it's evolution making sure that we still procreate. it's like it erases it from your mind
0: (laughs) yeah I mean Megan has four so she's a testament
2: yeah exactly it's like your brain just dumps that data right away
0: <laughs> that's right there's no way she was remembering that stuff from no Number no, one. no no the
2: human race would end
1: if we really remembered <laughs> yeah and it's not just childbirth it's like every stage after that all these transitions all the lack of sleep like it's every single stage you kind of once you're through it you forget mm-hmm not forget but it's not as bad as when once you're through it
2: yeah yeah yes which you could even say like the same as like bad money times right I I I feel like you know people sometimes in financial sessions I don't know if you if you find this too with with the people you speak with but um let's say somebody like got laid off or something you know something's happened right and there is this like Oh my gosh, this is my life now. And it's like, okay, there's going to come a time when like two years from now you're going to look back and be like, that was hard, but it's over now. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like, it's like, uh, I think sometimes remembering that like life is so long and, and our finances change like every two or three years. I, I, most people's don't stay the same for like 30 plus years. It's, it's every 30 months I'd say your life looks a little bit different. Yeah. And I feel like I, I mean,
1: things are a little bit different now, just because of the, you know, policies that have been implemented recently. But like, I remember having these conversations with parents with who are transitioning from, um, you know, not being parents to one going on EI, then doing a potential two, three, four years of childcare. Yeah. It, when you're in it, it is a lot it is yes it's very overwhelming but once you're through it it's you're gonna look back and be like I can't remember when we used to pay thousands of dollars a month on childcare. how
2: did we make that work you just did yeah you just figured it out I'm actually I'm still living that I have the last three months of daycare for my little one and we're not on the $10 a day daycare plan and so we're just finally coming out of the daycare years. And he goes to school in September. And I like looked at my husband and was like, oh my God, we're done daycare. Like, it's like, I, I, I'm so used to spending thousands of dollars a month yeah. on daycare. I can't imagine what life is going to be like. I feel like we won the lottery. I'm like, what? <laughs> so wow. I am very excited for September. <laughs>
0: I often use that that example when um you know clients are trying to save for a goal whatever the goal may be and they have older kids but like okay let's rewind six years when you were paying eight hundred a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month like how did you come up with the money for that yeah Um, you did it you are capable you you know budgeting and saving success in the past um you felt like it was thrust upon you and you were forced into it but we have the evidence to prove that you're capable um so now if we just shift that a little bit we know that we you know we could or should have the confidence to go for it again um, however now that uh, my kids are starting to get older i mean they're eight and eleven so they're not older um, but Especially the eleven-year-old, like he's really expensive. <laughs> I yeah. think we're back to spending daycare, yes. daycare rates on you know his hobbies and tournaments and all the things that he does. So it's like this, like you know, uh, reprieve for a, a <laughs> period of time, and then it starts all over.
2: I uh, I always make the joke to my I'm always like whenever my kids try a new sport. I have two boys and I'm like I'm like don't love hockey <laughs> I'm always like oh look at this look at this soccer ball <laughs> like, like like look at that ball I just because it's so it gets so expensive oh my goodness like it, it can so be really really expensive yeah
0: do you guys know that one of the more expensive sports is swimming have yeah. you ever had clients who have competitive swimmers in their family? no is really expensive because they travel a bunch and then oh the travel yeah and they need a new hundred dollar suit for like every time they do something extra special it is so much more expensive than any of us than a swim cap yeah Yeah.
2: uh, that shocks me actually I've never had that I usually uh, my big culprits are like dance and hockey I see that a lot um and actually anything competitive because there's the travel right um
0: anything that's like rep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, the equipment gets really expensive and, you know, a baseball bat or a baseball glove is $400. Like who, whose idea was this? (laughs) It doesn't matter what it is. It's all expensive.
1: (laughs) Uh, So Shannon, your kids are just little, but are you doing anything right now already for like financial foundations or like allowance or anything like that?
2: yeah heck yes I am not with my three my three-year-old almost four-year-old no he's too little but um my five-year-old is he's an SK and we have piggy banks for both I think I think teaching kids about money starts with them even seeing that it's a thing and I I really brought that into the house because my eldest kid said to me one time oh just tap your thing and I was like what is what do you think this is and I he was like I don't know, it buys stuff. I'm like, this doesn't buy stuff. Like, oh my God, like you, I failed you. And so we, um, we have a piggy bank. And so I'm really, I really make a point of us having cash on us sometimes and like doing stuff with actual money. Um, and I will take him to like, let's say that he gets, you know, 10 and he does little chores too. So I like, like, I don't have a formal allowance. He's five, but for example, Hey, if you you know help me put the garden in or whatever, I'll give you like two dollars or five dollars. He doesn't has no concept whether it's a lot or not. Yeah. Um, but what we'll do is we'll I'll put them in his bank account and then we will go to you know the toy store and he will get like a bakugan or like a pokemon card thing and i will make him spend his own money and i think it's really important that he like picks it up he like counts out the dollars because he can count and do basic math Mm -hmm. and put it on the table and he buys it so like, there's concept the relationship of i did something i got money and now i'm spending it Mm -hmm. is like an important introduction and i also have one piggy bank for saving and one piggy bank for spending and i trying to just be like hey this is one where we spend from, and this is one where we don't, mm-hmm. and so we're just like introducing that basic concept. I mean, and I take him grocery shopping all the time with me too, and I'll say things like, "Okay, we've got like, well, now it's insane, um, but I'll be like, you know, we have X amount of dollars, we have a hundred bucks for this shop. Like, what can we get?" And the other day we have he one was day like, "Groceries." Yeah, right. Oh, we have one meal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, but the other day he was noticing. Like, again, it's not like a, this, it's not a hardcore lesson. It's just bringing it conversationally and without value. I think that's the important thing I'm trying to do with money at the house is that I'm not assigning good or bad value to money. I'm not like, this is terrifying. And we can't afford this where it's like scarcity, scarcity, panic. And I'm also not like, let's have more money where it's like, that becomes the goal. So it's just like, money is a tool in our home. The same way that i use a lawnmower where it's a tool we have to use it so like let's use it appropriately um and you know the other day i was so proud of him he was like look the green peppers are less money we can get more of those and i was like oh yeah but oh yeah so like there's an awareness but i think that i'm i'm definitely going to be an
0: allowance person but i won't i won't do that till he's probably 10. but uh it's so fun i i've found um that you know similar to our money decisions their personality makes a really big difference. Big time. How, big time. You know what conversations we have. Um you know I have I have one client that we were we were doing a lot of kind of allowance work together and uh their child uh, was, um was some someone who really struggles with anxiety and like being fearful and A lot of creating their system had to make sure it was like the the furthest thing away from any scarcity or, you know, maybe if we buy this, we can't afford something else. Like his mind go to that side, which I haven't had to think about with my kids. Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, As they get older and their personalities, you know, really start coming out, um, you find what works, you know, what works for them.
2: Totally, and I think talking about money in the household and how you talk about money really leaves a mark. I mean, I'm I'm sure you can think back to things that you know your folks might have said. You know what I mean, good or bad. And I find a lot of my clients will say, "Oh, my parents were always scared about money or this other like that rubs off." Or my parents never budgeted, and and I never learned. And so there's lots of people that look back on how they were introduced to it, and really are either happy or not happy about it. And I think the the most important thing that you like for that I have seen, I also believe this to be true is like not making it taboo in the house, like mm-hmm. not keeping kids from the fact that like things cost money and like some things are, are like, you know, out of range and some things aren't. And I think it's just how you present that. If you think of it like a resource and a tool in your house instead of the assignment of like worth or like that, like, I think that's the important thing because it's like, there is only, there is only so much money unless you're a lottery winner. And so like, it's a reality of life. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a thing that has to, we have to navigate. And so um, I do find, I don't know if you find this, but like the clients I talked to that where their parents kept them in the dark and pretended that everything was totally fine um never talked about money those people are like I never learned anything and I and now I always assume everything is supposed to be good so when I'm faced with bad financial times it's like they don't have that faith that like this is a point in my life because it's like they didn't ride that roller coaster a little bit when when they were younger to be like oh sometimes you're up sometimes you're down sometimes things are hard sometimes they're easy um because it always felt easy even though their parents were probably like sheltering them from a lot of it so I thought that was really interesting that I've had a lot of people say that to me that when they when they weren't exposed to anything bad about money they their expectations as a kid then as an adult they're like everything should be peachy cane and then it really feels like a shock when it's not yeah I get that
1: and I think too like not tying money to anything like ego yes like, like there no there being no judgment either way so it's like. Okay, well, my family doesn't drive new vehicles, which is fine. But our neighbor, their family, they always have new vehicles, which is also fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always say, well, like, there are things about, you know, about John's house that are great. And there are things about our house that are great. There are things about John's toys that are lovely there are things about your choice that are lovely like it's yeah. all good um because it's like that I feel like that's just started in our house now is my eldest kid is starting to be like notice notice the difference between stuff like uh oh oh they live like that we live like this and and again so that's up to me to not assign value to it right to not be like good or bad everyone it's there's good things about everyone it's really hard as a parent sometimes too like I think so much overspending happens on, on kid, on kid stuff too. like, Mm -hmm. feel like when parents are Mm -hmm. like afraid that their kid is not keeping up or, or something like that. I find that that's a real thing too, that I see happening all the time. And I, you know, I've even done it myself. It's hard. Mm It is Mm -hmm.
0: hard. well, Again, a great example for guardrails right like yeah. <laughs> where your values are and like how much you're how far you're willing to go um and you know financial guardrail and and uh um and often you know we just we haven't set those for ourselves and then it's emotional and as parents all we want is good stuff for our kids and i know We'll do it at all
2: costs. At all costs, I know it's wild. It's uh, letting yourself on fire to keep someone financially, like financially, to keep someone warm. Yeah. It's it's so true. Uh-huh. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> like on the financial giving tree. <laughs> Never read that book. It's Oh no, I am. Oh my god, don't. As a mother, <laughs> oh, don't it's, like, t- it's basically it's basically like the kids the kids take from the tree until it dies. It's like, <laughs> okay, I know someone gave it to me when I first had my kids. I was like, I don't know that this is the best message right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no, oh no. Well,
1: um, as people have listened to this conversation. And I've really liked what you have to say, have grabbed your books and taken a look at them. Where else can they find out more about you and if they can work with you?
2: Yeah, I will. Everything is kind of housed at newschooloffinance.com. That's like where the actual financial planning hub, the books, the online courses, all that stuff. And of course, we're on on social media. We're on Instagram mostly because I'm an elder millennial. And I don't know what TikTok really does. Uh, so uh, yeah, on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. I'm That's so you happy you us. said that. Yeah, you know, I just, I can't. And and maybe that makes me like not hip. And you know what? Then I'm starting to, it's my evolution into the old crone I can't wait to be. So like, I'm, I'm starting my journey. Okay, you're I, in good company. You're in good company. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, but newschoolfinance.com is like the hub.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have these conversations because I feel like as women, as moms, we add other flavors to the conversation that maybe people aren't getting in terms of, you know, money, finances, just really just financial literacy in general.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree and I think motherhood is um and parenthood is really uh it is a roller coaster it's a it's especially if there's little like it's hard it can be really hard like you can have that parental burnout and then you're supposed to do all the financially good stuff on top of that while the stakes feel really high because it's your kiddos and so I think it's a really good lens to look at stuff through personal finance
0: Thanks for spending your time with us today.
1: If you heard anything that piqued your interest, check out the show notes because we probably have some extra deets or links down there. Your homework
0: for today. Go talk to someone about your money, either your spouse, your kids, your co-worker or a licensed professional.
1: And if you don't like those humans today, we're always talking in Lindsay's Facebook group black is the new red so join us over there head over to facebook type in black is the new red you'll see so many amazing like-minded individuals in there trying to get better asking the right questions supporting one another
0: we look forward to hanging out with you again on your next dog walk or while you watch soccer practice from the sidelines cheers